Well, today we're in week four of a series called Seriously, Jesus? Because we're taking a serious look at the Sermon on the Mount, and we think Jesus was serious. He was serious, right? Like when he was preaching, he wasn't like looking at all the people going, no, I'm just kidding, right? Just humor me here. We think he was serious. So in this famous sermon, he kicks it off with these nine sayings that we know as the Beatitudes. And in the Beatitudes, what Jesus is doing is he's talking about what it looks like to be human. He's naming reality that this is what the kingdom looks like. And as we talk about the Beatitudes, I think that I know for myself, have a tendency when we read through these things to be like, oh yeah, I know what he's talking about. But just like the people that were listening to Jesus early on, these Beatitudes actually challenged their assumptions of what it looked like to be in the kingdom of God. Who actually gets in? And I think today, rather than all of us going, oh, I know what that means, I think we also need to understand this challenges our assumptions of how we actually see the kingdom playing out today, right now, in our world. And if you missed any of these weeks, catch up online. All that stuff's on the app. If you don't have the app, download it. You can catch up on all the sermons. And they build. Each week they build as we all kind of unfold these Beatitudes together. Uh, The first week, quick recap, uh, Brian addressed this. Like, Jesus, seriously? Like, why in the world would we listen to Jesus? Well, because of his life, his story, his teachings, we think that he's pretty much the one we ought to listen to. We think he has the authority on this. He's the expert to follow. Then he unpacked in week one the first Beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And there's some good news in there, that God's kingdom isn't just for the perfect people. Shelby gets in now, too. We know she's not perfect. That when we're broken and at the end of our rope, there's actually more room for us to experience God's perfect love. And last week, Leslie unpacked this. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, we hear that one, the immediate thought is, man, that's a bummer. That's depressing. But it's actually really good news. She said the good life in God's kingdom is ours when we feel like we've lost something that we hold dear. And when we mourn the mess that is, we allow God to comfort us with the beauty that will be. Man, that was good news. I heard so many people last week, so many people said they resonated with that. They were so grateful that she tackled that message. When we assigned that to Leslie, she's like, thanks, those who mourn, appreciate it. Man, she did a great job with that. So today... We're looking at third beatitude, blessed are the meek for those, for they will inherit the earth. So as many of you know, we have three awesome boys, Weston, Jackson, and Wilson, and our youngest, Weston, is four. And I remember several months ago, uh, I don't know if he got some new shoes or something, but he was showing me how fast he is. Hey, Dad, look how fast I am. He'd take off running, he'd come back. I said, man, you're fast, bud. You're fast. But man, I'm so proud of you, Weston. And then our 10-year-old, Wilson, said, well, that's nothing. I'm a lot faster than that. And they took off racing, and they went and came back. And of course, Wilson beat him by a mile. He's 10 years old. And all of a sudden, what happened is Weston was no longer impressed at how fast he was. Like, what happened in that moment is I began to see Weston shrink back a little bit because he wasn't as fast as Wilson. And it wasn't just that he wasn't as fast. I really saw something take place in Weston that was like, 
he felt like he wasn't as good as Wilson. Like he began to question himself, like who he was. It was like, it wasn't just about, it's okay, he's older. Yeah, but something was happening inside of Weston. And so it begins. Competition for value and importance of life at four. Right? Doesn't that happen in our life? And you might say, yeah, I know, but that's just life. He's four. He's, he's figuring it out. There's always going to be somebody smarter than you. There's always somebody going to be faster than you, prettier than you, stronger than you. Probably. But here's the problem. The culture that we live in takes this a step further. And just like Weston already began to feel, adopts this idea that there's also somebody better than you, more valuable than you. You ever feel that way? Because it started at four. And we begin to lean into that. And we begin to apply that same culture value to our lives. And we begin to believe that based off of economics or career or deeds or race or religion or politics or gender. And on and on and on and on. You can go on with this. But here's the good news I want to share with us and we're going to unpack today. When we live as equals... With every human as a much-loved child of God, we no longer compete for value. And being secure in God's immeasurable love, no more, no less, makes us the owners of everything that can't be bought, that can't be achieved, that can't be earned, that no matter how much money, no matter how good we are, can't be bought when we begin to live this way. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So what does it mean to be meek? Got to start there, right? What's it mean to inherit the earth? Well, let's start with meek. One thing we know is that the Beatitudes is not a, a list of to-dos. Like, hey, go be meek. John, go be meek. Go do it. You won't inherit the earth. So if that's the case, then we think that meekness that Jesus is referring to is a passive form of meekness. It's like something that happens to us, not something that you go do, like Meekness is what happens when I'm in prison. Meekness is what happens when I'm traumatically abused. Meekness is what happens when I'm a victim to a system of oppression. It's kind of like a disempowered humiliation of meekness. Jesus experienced this meekness when he was on the cross. Humiliated. So we might read this passage like this. Blessed are the humiliated, for they will inherit the earth. Or blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Now, humble is a word we're a little more familiar with, right? We know what humble is. We know what humility is. And I think that that's actually tough sometimes because the way that we think about humility and the way that we often are taught about what humility is is it's about being the opposite of, uh, like, pride. Like, thinking about yourself. Like, thinking highly about yourself, that's prideful. So humility is you got to think less about yourself. Like, you got to think little about yourself, bad about yourself. And there's something that makes sense with that a little bit because we think, I've never like met somebody that's both her- humble and arrogant at the same time. Like, You've got to think little about you. You've got to think less about yourself. But there's also something really, really wrong with this version of humility because I don't think Jesus wants you to think bad about yourself. You know what that actually is? Shame. We know that word real well too, don't we? We like to shame people. like to think bad about other people. It's like Weston at age four, we begin to adopt that idea of shame and think less about ourselves. 
We even have a saying for it. Shame on you. How many people's ever said that one? A bunch of liars that didn't raise their hand. <laughs> I've said it so many times. Shame on you. And we believe that we have to feel shame because you're so bad. And maybe if you feel bad enough and you feel enough shame, you'll eventually do better. And do you know what happens if you feel better? If it's rooted in shame, it's going to lead to pride. Every time. Listen, this is not the kingdom. This is not how God designed life to live. And let me show you why this is so ugly and why this is not of anything that God created. When I feel shame, it's not just about me. It's relative to someone else. And often, that might be you. So it's how I see myself relative to how I see you. And you know what that is? Inferiority. I don't feel as good because of how good you are. And if I feel pride or arrogance about me, it's not relative just to me. It's relative to you. So I'm better than you. You know what that is? Superiority. Humility is the opposite of both of those. Humility is equality. Humility is we're all on the same playing field. See, Matthew chapter 23, he also reminds us that we're all the same. Brothers and sisters, equals, loved by a good father. That means that God doesn't love me more than he loves you. That's good news. And he can't love you more than he loves me. That's good news. So in Jesus, it actually frees us from shame and pride. That humility in Christ is secure. It's grounded. It's based in this immeasurable love that God has for us. And that understanding of humility helps us make sense of what Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 5. five. Blessed are the meek, for they won't inherit the earth. Jesus is saying to be meek is to live as equals, as much loved child of God. And when we do, we no longer compete for value. That's good news. We don't have to compete. You're not better than me. I'm not better than you. And being secure in God's immeasurable love, no more, no less, makes us owners of everything that can't be bought. This idea of guilt and shame and shaming people and these people are bad and you've got to be good and if you're just better and all this kind of stuff, this is not new. This culture is the same culture that Jesus was walking, teaching, talking. This was the same thing. And many of the people that are listening to this beatitude, this Sermon on the Mount, have faced oppression. They've been humiliated by this ugly world that says you're not good enough. They felt the pain of it. They've seen all of it. They've been oppressed. They've been taken advantage of. They're operating in a culture that they cannot succeed in. They cannot win. And Jesus is bringing them good news, and he's saying, here's the deal. This whole system, the way it's set up, is totally wrong. It's a delusion. The life that everybody's living in is a delusion. This idea that people are better than other people. And this is shocking to them. Shocks them. It's also good news. What he's saying is he's saying the pain of oppression and justice is real. He's saying those the meek, those that have been humiliated. Listen, the humiliation, Jesus is saying, is based on a lie. Did you catch that? The pain is real. 
The pain of oppression is real. You can feel it. You can see it. But the humiliation is based on a lie. Jesus is saying the truth of what is real and will be is that we are all equal. The world falsely humiliates people. And Jesus is standing there saying, all of you who feel like you're outcast and have been humiliated, that's a lie. And one day we're all going to see how big of a lie that is because the kingdom has come and this is how it's actually designed to work. This is reality. And that when we live in reality, it does something for our souls. When we live as Jesus, as Jesus has designed us to live, it's transformative in our lives, right? So you and I don't have to strive to be better than anybody else. And we don't have to live with guilt and shame. And when we lean into that freedom, we understand the good news. And we get to offer it to others who are equals to us because we are equal with everyone else. And we get to experience true life. So what do we inherit? Like the earth? Do we inherit this big blue ball covered in water and rocks, rulers? Jesus is always speaking of like these realms. What I think he's saying here is what you inherit is everything that can't be bought. Real life as it's meant to be lived. No amount of money, nothing you can do. He's looking at everyone who's been humiliated and saying this humiliation is false. We are all equal. And when we live as equals, we live out life as it's designed to be lived. And being secure in God's immeasurable love, no more, no less, makes us the owners of everything that can't be bought. It's good news for me. Many of you know my past, things I dealt with as a kid. I feel like there were some things that, man, I really faced some humility and abuse and some things that, and I'm an Enneagram 3. You know what that means? Here's the lie I believe all the time. My value is based on what you guys think of me. Isn't that messed up? Thanks, Michael. I know. It's messed up. This is good news for me. I'm trying to lean into this on a regular basis of realizing that's not real life. That's a messed up culture that we live in. The same culture Jesus was preaching and teaching to people who were facing humiliation. So I'm trying to lean into that on a daily basis, remind myself of those things. I'm trying to constantly affirm that others. So with Weston, you know what I did that day? I bring back Weston to me. I'm like, look, bud, I don't love you because you're fast. I'm not proud of you because of how quick you can run. I love you because you're my son. And that sounds so simple to us. But rarely do we actually live as if that's true, right? Now, does he still get bummed out when he loses? Yes, he's four. He doesn't quite understand it all. I'm 45. I don't quite understand it all, okay? But what I saw take place in Weston and what I see take place in him when I bring him in and I remind him of who he is, I see a more secure four-year-old and who he is and who he's loved by. And I see him offer that up to other people. And that's what I want for him. That's what I want for my boys more than Anything is really to live in God's kingdom as it should be now because that's how it's going to be forever. 
why shouldn't we actually start living it now? Because there's so much freedom in it, not just forever. There's freedom in it now. And when they live as equals with every human, as a much-loved child of God, they no longer have to compete for value. And being secure in God's immeasurable love, no more, no less, makes them owners of everything that can't be bought. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, some of you have probably faced some oppression, some abuse. And I want to remind you this morning that the pain is real, but the humiliation is false. It doesn't make you any less than anybody else. It doesn't make you them any better than you. You're not any type of failure that's based on a lie. And there's also a temptation when we face this and that the early followers were facing the same thing. That when we face that kind of humiliation, what we want is revenge and anger and we have hostility towards the other people. But that's not living as equals either. God wants you to be able to set that aside and lean into and live as equals and there's freedom in that. And here's another reality this morning. I'm going to say it like this. I think, I think that when it comes to this particular mess of how the world exists, you fight harder, you get ahead, you're better, and you work hard, and all the different layouts that we have. I think we would listen to a scripture like this and say, that blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. But I think sometimes we might actually benefit from the way the world works. Like, especially in our Western society. Sometimes, especially in maybe even rural America. And we might, on one hand, stand on this promise that God gives and say, yes, I believe that. But on the other hand, we benefit from maybe the inequality and superiority and inferiority. And I see it play out all the time. It breaks I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. It says, they think they're growing into the world. It's like we could take this scripture and say, that's who we are, the meek. They think they're growing into the world when in reality, it's the world that's growing in them. Man, I read that this week and I thought, oh my gosh, that is so true, I think, in so many ways. So I don't know where each one of us is this morning, but... I will say this. It says that we're all brothers and sisters, that we're all equal. He doesn't say pretend like you're all equal. Pretend like you're all brothers and sisters. Blessed are the meek. He wants us to live into the reality. And when we don't, what we're choosing is to constantly stay in the loop of pride and shame and inferiority and superiority. Blessed are the meek for those who inherit the earth. When you live as equals with everyone, as a much-loved human, much-loved child of God, 
you're no longer compete for values. Being secure in God's immeasurable love, no more, no less, will make you owners of everything that came before. It's good news. Really good news. Let's do this. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Close our eyes. And because this isn't a to-do list, there's not really a lot to do except for maybe to surrender to this good news. And So I'm going to read this again. And as I do, I just want you to wrestle with this question. Which reality do you want to live in? Love? Equality? Or prove the superiority and inferiority? And this question, which reality do you want to offer to others? Love? Equality? Or inferiority and superiority? When you live as equals with every human as a much-loved child of God, you no longer compete for value. Being secure in God's immeasurable love, no more, no less, makes you the owners of everything that can't be bought. Father, today we're grateful for your words. We're grateful for these nine beatitudes that are as true today as they were back then because it is the reality of your kingdom. And God, we do still live in kind of a messed up culture continues to categorize and marginalize and kind of reign over other people and see ourselves as better based on where someone else stands or sits. Help us to embrace this reality this morning. Help us this week as we maybe find ourselves in moments where we feel a little more superiority over someone or when we feel inferiority that it takes us back to this moment, to this beatitude, and that we push back against the lie and we surrender to the truth. And as many times as we have to do that this week, God, we just surrender. It's hard sometimes, Lord, to see this crazy world with the lens that you see it and how you created it. Just help us this week to see through your eyes. We ask this in your name. Everybody said, amen.